Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. We're in week 10 of this uh, Bible study series here in the summer of New Life called Daniel Putting God First. And we're so excited about this series. We've learned a lot through it. And we're going to review that, uh, just a, some portions of it in just a minute. But first of all, I want to welcome all of you. So glad that you're here today at New Life. If this is your first time, uh, just so glad that you have decided to come and be a part of our church family and worship with us as well. I want to take a moment just to welcome all of you watching online as well. We're so glad that you're here, part of our church family as well, worshiping and, and listening to the word. Uh, hope that you are having a great day and want to continue, ask you to continue to watch and Engage with us uh, because we believe God has so much in store for all of us through his word. So this summer we've learned some pretty uh, important things. Uh, We've learned that God's power and presence is released in our lives as we walk in obedience to Jesus. That's such a significant thing because a lot of us, we long for God's presence and power to pour out of us. As we look at Daniel's life, we go, man, you know, Daniel did all of these incredible things. He was in the pit with the lions and he didn't get eaten. And, and Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they went into the fire and they didn't burn up. And, you know, Daniel was, was supposed to, uh, you know, could interpret all these dreams for these kings. And, and all of this stuff happened. And, and nothing, you know, God had his hand on Daniel. We look at that and we go, man, how did, how did God just work that power and presence? And, and we learn it is because Daniel was obedient uh, to God in every area of his life. We also learned that God is relentless for his glory, and we should be too. God is relentless for his glory, and we should be too. We, we learned about the, the, the hand that wrote on the wall. And it told the king of Babylon that, hey, listen, you've been weighed and, and you've been found wanting. And tonight you're going to lose your life. Now, interestingly, in that story, I think it's weird. The king, you know, Daniel comes in and Daniel tells the king this. And the king's like, you, you are awesome. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lift you up as one of the highest officials in my court, knowing that he was going to die that night. I don't get that. But anyway, uh, that's what happened. And, and it's a, just a pretty incredible story. We've also seen through Daniel's life and all the trials that he endures, because, you know, a lot of us, I think we think that when we have this right relationship with God that we don't go through hard times. Well, that's not the case. We see Daniel going through hard time after hard time in his life. And, and what we learned as we observe that throughout the summer is, is that, that we grow in our spiritual walk through discipline and that it demonstrate, our spiritual walk is demonstrated through trials. That's what we see uh, from Daniel's life and that's what we want to live out in our lives as well. And the, the final thing that we kind of are seeing in this is that when we follow God in our lives, when we put God first, which is what Daniel did, it goes against the grain of culture. Right, and, and interestingly, Pastor Chris said this the very first week. I think this is so true. If you look back over history, putting God first goes against the grain of every culture. Why? Because culture is run by uh, Satan, the enemy. He is the one who's in charge. Jesus said he's the ruler prince of this world. And so when we are living for God and living for his kingdom, we're going against the grain of culture. And it's very apparent in our culture today, but it was also really apparent uh, so many thousands of years ago in Daniel's experience as well. And we see that, that almost in every area, when we put God first, it's not the popular thing to do. But you see, the one thing that we've learned is Daniel's life is a testimony of God's powerful presence at work inside of a man. And it's such an incredible thing because when we look at Daniel and we go, you know, 
it seemed like God, if Daniel prayed, God answered so quickly. I mean, we looked at that last week, right? In Daniel chapter 9, we see that Daniel starts to pray, and it says, at the moment Daniel started praying, he sent Gabriel, and Gabriel came down, and Gabriel gave him a response by the end of his prayer. You know, Daniel received swift and effective action from God when he prayed. But the question is for us, why doesn't that happen for us very often? Why is it that, that for us, we, we might be praying for things over and over and over again, and, and it just seems like, man, why am I still praying for this thing? It's been, it's been weeks, or maybe it's been months, or maybe even it's been years, and it just seems like God doesn't care. Well, interestingly, we're going to compare Daniel chapter 9, where Daniel had swift and effective action, to Daniel chapter 10, where things were a little bit different. And that's what we're going to study today. So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to pull it out. Uh, again, I want to encourage you um, to bring your Bible or bring your smartphone that has your Bible app on it. Uh, because I want to encourage you, if God speaks to your heart about something in His Word, you want to be able to kind of press that or highlight that or underline that or mark that up so that when you leave here, you can go out and go, man, what was that verse again? Because I know I do the same thing. I go, man, that was an awesome verse that Pastor Chris just shared right there. And I can't remember what it is, you know, three hours later. And, and, and it just, just happens to us. So I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, it'll be on the screen for you as well as we study it together. But let's look at this in Daniel chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. So Daniel receives this vision, and actually this is the final vision of Daniel's life, right around 536 B.C., because we know that King Cyrus took over in 539, and a year after King Cyrus took over, he actually declared that some of the exiles that were in Babylon, some of the Jewish exiles that had been captured and taken to Babylon, could now return back to Jerusalem, and they did so under tremendous scrutiny. And they went back and they began to replan Jerusalem and they were, would eventually rebuild the walls and the temple and, and again thrive in their own nation. But Daniel, interestingly, is seeing an answer to his prayer from Daniel chapter 9. Remember last week he, he was so moved at the desolation of, of Jerusalem that he just went to God in prayer. And that's what Daniel does. Whenever Daniel is faced with the truth, he turns to God in prayer. Because he knows that only God can change his situation. So look at verse 2. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All that time I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. So upon receiving the, the news, Daniel chose to go to God in a little bit of a different way than he did in Daniel chapter 9. He actually chose to fast. Because he knew he had to get real serious about this. He needed God to show him the meaning of this vision. Now, interestingly, we don't get to know this vision like we've seen in, in previous parts of Daniel's life. We don't get to see a beast with five heads that looks like a dragon and a dog all mixed together, right? We don't get that picture here. Instead, we get an explanation beginning in chapter 11 and continuing through chapter 12, which will actually bring our series to a close in the next two weeks. So we don't have this vivid picture of what's happening, but we do get an explanation from the angel that comes to deliver the message to Daniel. And we're going to learn some very important things as it pertains to what God is doing in the world and what he has done. 
So look at verse 4. On April 23rd, as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like the vast multitude of people. Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak, and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. Now, as is often the case when angels show up, it's terrifying. And Daniel sees him. He sees him coming, and he sees him across the river, and it's like, whoa, this, this guy's different than, than the other angels that I've seen. He's very powerful, very, very much altogether different, and, and it scares him. It scares him so much that all of his friends, they, they didn't see this angel, but they all ran away, right? I mean, some friends, right? You know, hey, Daniel, peace out, bro. <sighs> We're gone. You know, and, and what did they do? They ran and hid because why? They're babies. You know, so Daniel, he's like, all right, well, I saw Gabriel, so here we go. And he comes over, and, and like just the... the the sight of this angel just begins to, to scare Daniel. And I mean, you know, have you ever been so scared that you just tremble? You ever been scared like that? In my life, I have been several times. When I was younger, we played Spotlight. And my, one of my good friends had this habit of hiding in the bushes. And as you'd run past the bush, he'd go, Rah! Right? And you're like, oh, and as you fall down the hill, because that's why he picked the bushes where you were, as you're falling down the hill, you're like, you idiot, you know, <laughs> Well, and then you get up and you're, you're just terrified, right? Because you didn't think anybody was there. Well, that's what happened to Daniel. And so Daniel's shaking and then this, this, this messenger opens his mouth and Daniel's like, mm, he's done, right? He just faints. This is an extreme experience for Daniel. And it's very powerful and very emotional and Daniel passes out. Verse 10. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. So you see, Daniel, Daniel fainted. The angel reaches down, picks him up, and he says, hey, Daniel, get up. Come on, get up. And Daniel's like, you know, and he's, and he's looking, and, and he's looking at this, this angel, and he's just, he's still scared because we don't have a category for the glory and the presence of, of, of God in heaven. Like, we can't, we just, we can't understand it. And so Daniel gets up, and, and he's still trembling, but, but he wants to honor the messenger he wants to honor what he has to say. So he stands up with everything, I imagine, everything that he has and, and listens to the angel. And then the angel says to him, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. And I have come in answer to your prayer. So do you remember last week when Daniel turned to God? When he was faced with the truth in Daniel chapter 9. Here's what it says. In Daniel chapter 9 verse 23. He said, he said the moment you began praying. A command was given. So interestingly. The same thing happens for Daniel here. Daniel begins to pray. And begins to fast. And, and God says listen. I want you to go and tell Daniel this message. And so the angel the messenger goes down. And, and he, he goes to tell 
Daniel this message. Now, last week, Gabriel was the one. We knew Gabriel by name because it said it in the scripture. Gabriel was the one, and by the end of Daniel's prayer, Gabriel had showed up. This one's a little different. Look at this. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. So the angel or the messenger has come in answer to Daniel's prayer, just like last week. But look at this in verse 13. But for 21 days, the spirit of the prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. Now I don't want us to miss this today because this is so important for us to understand. Last week, Daniel prays, sends Gabriel, Gabriel shows up. This time, Daniel receives a vision, Daniel prays, he begins to fast, he's fasting for three weeks. No food, no water for three weeks. And he still doesn't have an answer. I'm sure, you know, in Daniel's life, he's kind of used to God acting swiftly and effectively. And I'm sure Daniel's sitting here going, where you at? You know, what's happening? Why haven't you spoken to me? He's waiting for three weeks. Well, what's happening during that time? Well, the angel tells us. So God commands the angel to go with a message to Daniel to let him know what is happening in this vision. And the angel says he goes from the spiritual realm, he goes out, and he comes down to tell Daniel, but he meets a prince of the kingdom of Persia. And notice the scripture says it's a spirit prince. This is not a physical person. This is a spiritual being who is a prince who has significant power. So you see, in the spiritual realm... Things are very similar to us. In fact, if you have an outline, I want you to get that out right now out of your connection inside. And I want you to write this down because I think this is important for us to understand. When it comes to praying, and a lot of us have prayed for things, and God doesn't seem to be answering, we need to understand a few things about this. First of all, the spiritual realm is altogether different than our physical experience, and yet is similar in many ways. The spiritual realm is altogether different than our physical experience and yet is similar in many ways. Now, we know that it's different because when Daniel sees this messenger, he's scared to death, right? Daniel's not scared of kings. He's not scared of generals. But when he sees this person, oh, it's like, you know, incredible. And we get explanations of, you know, they're just bright and shiny and just scary. So it's like, it's just completely different, but it's, it's similar in many ways, in that in the spiritual realm, there are governments just like there, there is here in the, in, in the physical realm. Now, we know of two governments. We know of the kingdom of light that Jesus is the head of. And, and by the way, Jesus has all authority over both of these kingdoms. But for whatever reason, the kingdom of darkness, which is the other kingdom, doesn't recognize that authority. And that's fine. They don't have to recognize it for them to be um, overtaken by his authority. But we see these two kingdoms, the kingdom of light with Jesus and the kingdom of darkness with the enemy, who Jesus says is Satan. As I mentioned earlier, Jesus referred to him as the prince or ruler of this current age. And so there are these two things. And so when the spirit uh, or when, when the, the messenger goes down to Daniel, meets the spirit prince, he's meeting somebody with significant demonic power. So much so that the messenger couldn't get through. And, it, you know, the angel says, listen, I was fighting with this guy, and I was like, I got to call for backup. Hey, God, could you send Michael down? Now, Michael is this archangel. He, we know that he leads the, the, the armies of heaven, so he's, you know, he's like the Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? You know, he's coming down, he, he looks at God, and he says, I'll be back. 
right? And so he, he comes down and, and, and he, he looks at the prince of Persia and he says, it's not a tumor. Oh, sorry, that's kindergarten cop. Okay. <laughs> I get them mixed up sometimes. But, but I loved Arnold Schwarzenegger growing up. Just such a, man, there was, if there was anybody who could kick anybody's butt, it was Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't think he could do it anymore. But anyway, so, so he, you know, Michael comes down and he binds this spirit prince so the messenger could get through. And finally, the messenger gets through. Now listen, listen. This happens in the spiritual realm, right? Like we're not looking up and seeing these stars going, like, you know, we're not, we're not seeing that. This is happening in the spiritual realm. It's something we can't see with our physical eyes unless God gives us the ability to see it at a certain time. But it's not something that Daniel saw. He didn't know this was happening. So for 21 days, the sun comes up and goes down and comes up and goes down, comes up and goes down, you know, and Daniel doesn't have a response. And then he shows up on the Tigris River. And Daniel's probably like, where were you, you know, after Daniel faints and you know, just can't, under, can't comprehend the glory. And the angel says, listen, I've been fighting to get through to you with this message. I've been fighting to get through to you with this message. And then he says, and now I have come to deliver it to you. Now, there's something very significant here that we need to, to kind of grab a hold of. And that's this. In Exodus chapter 14... We see uh, the people of Israel, they're, they're, leaving, they're leaving Egypt. You see, the people uh, in Egypt, they, the, they had put the Israelites into bondage. They had put them into slavery um, because really the, the Israelites came down. They needed Egypt at a certain time because there was an awful famine. And so the, the Egyptians put them into bondage after they'd been there for several hundred years. And God calls Moses, this unlikely candidate, to lead these people out because it was time for the people to go to the promised land that God had promised to Abraham. And so God says to Moses, Moses, I want you to go and speak for my people. And Moses is like, God, I can't speak, right? You know? So you're going to have to send somebody with me because most likely Moses really couldn't speak. And so Moses says, all right, fine. If you're not going to trust me to fix your mouth, I will give you Aaron. And Aaron will go with you. So Aaron and Moses go into Pharaoh and they say, Pharaoh, you're going to let my people go. And they go through all of these plagues before Pharaoh finally is just broken because all of the firstborns in Egypt have passed away. They've been killed. And so he finally lets the people of God go. The people of God, the Israelites, they're traveling and they get to the Red Sea and go, oh no, what are we going to do? We can't cross this. This is huge. How are we going to get across from here to there? And, and you know, then they're looking back just to see if, if, if Pharaoh is going to send his army to come after them. And, so, and then God says to Moses, hey Moses, go put your staff in the water and trust me. And so Moses goes, puts his staff in the water and the water splits apart, and, and it says they walked across on what? Anybody know? Dry land, right? Now, dry land like that. That's some power right there. So God is, is splitting the water. The, the people of God are walking across. And listen, this is thousands and thousands of people because they had, they had been in Egypt, you know, procreating for a long time. So thousands and thousands of people are walking through, and as kind of the last people are walking through the Red Sea, one of the guys looks back and says, Hey, Moses! You know, you say, pass this on. Because there's a lot of people. Hey, Moses, they're coming. We're dead for sure. We're, we're gone, right? So, so, so they look back, and they're, they're fearful, and all the people have to hear this because Moses at the front, the guys at the back, they're yelling up the line. All the people begin to, to, to fear, and, and they're not sure what's, what's going to happen, right? And they begin to complain to Moses, which is amazing they had time to do this. But anyway, they began to complain to Moses, say, Moses, why did you bring us out into the wilderness just so we could die? And Moses is like, ah, I'm not really sure. And then God speaks to Moses and said, Moses, listen to me. You've seen what I've done. And I want you to know, Exodus 14, 14, he says, 
you need to be quiet because I will fight for you. And so the people of God come through the Red Sea. The, the, the Egyptian army comes into the Red Sea and then God takes care of them. And they're eliminated. And the people of God then can move on to where God has ordained for them to go. Now listen, here's the thing I want us to focus on. That's what happens in the spiritual realm when we pray. When we pray and we go to God, and we turn to God when we're faced with the truth in our lives, something happens in the spiritual realm that, that is just extremely powerful. You see, God wants to answer. You know, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, the Apostle John says we are adopted into his family, and God, Jesus referred to God as a heavenly father. And he wants us to also refer to him as a heavenly father because he said, when you pray, you say, our father in heaven. And do you know that God is the perfect father? He's not one that's going to walk out. He's not one who's going to make false promises. No, he's going to deliver. And the thing about a good father is if, a, if one of his children is under attack, what does a good father do? He goes and he fights for them, right? I would die for any one of my kids. We're going to the mat. Right? And, and, and that's what God does for his children. He fights for them. And in the spiritual realm, things are happening that we can't see. And then all of a sudden, it's like, we have deliverance or we have a, an understanding or somebody comes into our life or God brings the, the financial uh, need into our lives and, and, and answers that need, right? I mean, God fights for us. That's what happened in Daniel's experience as he prayed. The angel came and he delivered the message but you see, here's the thing we need to understand. The time it took for Daniel to receive an answer directly corresponded to the resistance offered by the enemy in the spiritual realm. The time it took for Daniel to receive an answer directly corresponded to the significant resistance offered by the enemy in the spiritual realm. Daniel's prayer released God's presence to influence his life, but it took longer than expected because God had to deal with the spiritual resistance offered by the enemy. And we, we must understand that when we pray, listen, just lean in, lean in here just for a minute with me. Listen, when we go to God and we ask him for things, you need to understand something, and I need to understand something. Sometimes the answer is no. But I think most of the time when we go to him and we're praying and we're praying, you know, God, we need this need met or God, we, you know, I want my husband or my wife or my children to come to faith in you or God, I want to do your will or God, I'm struggling with this step of obedience. You know, whatever it is, when we go to God, I believe that in the supernatural uh, realm, in the spiritual realm, there's battles going on over your life. See, the enemy wants nothing more for you than die to go to hell because then he wins. But God is fighting for you. He wants your life to be part of his family, to be part of his kingdom now and forever. That's why he sent Jesus to live and die and be raised back to life again on the third day so that we could be welcomed into his family, so that we could be part of his family, so he can fight for us. So I believe when we pray, God releases his presence in the supernatural realm. The Holy Spirit empowers us. He leads us. He guides us. And, and listen, sometimes it takes 21 days. Sometimes it takes 21 months. Sometimes it takes 21 years. To be honest with you, some of you may not see your answer to prayer until you get to heaven. 
If God doesn't say no, then he's moving. And when we pray aligned with his will, which is what Jesus said, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray aligned with his will, God is not going to say no to that. He's going to empower us and lead us and guide us, but it might take some time because there's some stuff happening that we can't see. And the answer for us sometimes directly corresponds to the significant resistance offered by the enemy in the spiritual realm. Look at verse 15. While he was speaking to me, I looked down at the ground, unable to say a word. Then the one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing in front of me, I am filled with anguish because of the vision I have seen, my Lord. I am very weak. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. So Daniel begins to pour out his heart to this messenger, and he's just saying, listen, you're scary, you're different than the other angels, and, and, and I just don't feel like I'm worthy to even talk to you. And look what happens. Then the one who looked like a man touched me again, and I felt my strength returning. And it says, don't be afraid, he said, for you are very precious to God. Then he says, peace, be encouraged, be strong. And as he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger and said to him, Please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. He replied, Do you know why I have come? Soon I must return to fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, and after that the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. Meanwhile, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one helps me against these spirits except Michael, your spirit prince, and I've been standing beside Michael to support and strengthen him since the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede. Now, it's important to note here that the, the messenger makes very clear that God is orchestrating all of these things in the spiritual realm that influence our physical experience, right? This messenger had been with Michael who was, who was you know, around Darius as he is coming into power in Babylon. And so there's things happening and God is orchestrating these things. He's commanding these things. He's leading these things so that, so that God's will can be accomplished on the earth. And it happens in the spiritual realm. Stuff we never see is happening all around us. And Daniel was, he received this vision. He saw the, the messenger coming to him. And he is scared, and rightfully so. And he doesn't have any power. But here's what happens. When the message comes to him, and he receives the touch from the messenger, what happens? He's strengthened. And then all of a sudden, he gets even stronger and even stronger. And then he can speak and receive, as we'll learn in the next two weeks, the message from, from this particular messenger for him about the vision. So you see, here's the thing. We all need this in our lives. We need a touch from God. Because when God's touch comes, it strengthens us. And some of us, we've been praying for a touch from God, maybe for healing, maybe for financial uh, provision, maybe for somebody in our family who, who doesn't know Jesus. We've been praying for a touch from God, and it just hasn't come yet. Well, I believe that God is fighting for you right now. And I believe that maybe even today you might receive that answer because he's working in the spiritual realm when we pray. And we need to trust him. We need to go to him. You see, Daniel went to God in faith. 
Daniel went to God in faith. He believed that God existed and that actually he wanted to, he wanted to respond to Daniel's prayer. Why else would Daniel fast and pray if he didn't believe God existed? Why did he do that? No, no, Daniel did believe. He believed God existed. He went to him. And he said, listen, God, I don't know what else to do. I need your help. And that's the thing we have to understand. We have to go in faith to God. And our take-home point for today says this. Prayer releases God's supernatural presence to change our lives. Prayer releases God's supernatural presence to change our lives. When we pray, we pray in faith because we believe that God exists. We know he exists. We trust him. We lean into him. He is our provider. He is the one who's fighting for us in the realm that we can't see. He is the one who has won the victory already, and therefore we claim it in the name of Jesus, and we move forward in our lives trusting him. But when we speak to him, we speak in faith. We pray in faith. And God works in the supernatural. That's what happens. And, and then when he, we receive that answer, we receive that touch in our lives, we're strengthened because we know that he does incredible things. It just, it, sometimes it just takes a while to receive that answer. You know, when I was younger, I used to buy CDs. You know what CDs are, right? So CDs, <laughs> just kidding, you all know what they are. Um, so CDs, I used to buy all these CDs because I used to DJ here and there, dabbled in it a little bit, and, and I, but I mostly bought them because I love music, which makes sense since I'm a worship pastor and music, musician, all that stuff. I love music, and, and so when, there, when I was younger, there, was these, there were these two companies, BMG and Columbia House, and, and these two companies had this, this like catalog they would send you, and in the catalog, you could pick um, all these, these CDs, and they had everything. Right? Well, mostly everything. Sometimes they didn't have what I wanted, and that made me a little mad. But for the most part, I got over it. And then, so, so I would go through, and how you pick these is you would rip off the CD, and then you would lick it like a stamp, and you would put it on slot one of the receive, uh, re- response cart so that they could receive that and look at it and go, okay, I know where that is, and I'm going to pack it in the box, and I'm going to send it. And so, you know, that was, that was great. I really enjoyed that. I love the taste of those stamps. I'll never forget that. You put that on there tasted good, you know. But here's the thing. When you would first join these companies, like they would give you like 16 free CDs if you bought one for 50 cents. Now that's better than any iTunes thing I have ever seen in my life. All right. So you get these 16 free CDs and listen, that pumped me up. And so I go through, I'm finding this CD and I lick it and I put it on there and I find another one, I lick it and I put it on and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, man, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to be the only guy in the neighborhood to have these albums and, and I'm so excited. And so I would send them out. And here's the thing, Columbia House was a little faster than BMG. So when I was switching companies, which by the way, I only did this seven times, okay, but you know, it was like you buy one and then you have to buy six at full price. Well, I would do that as fast as I could so I could get the next free 16 CDs because the deal was never as good. But anyway, so I would send it out. And listen, it would take three to four weeks before it showed up at my door. But I can remember, I'd send it out. The next day I would come home, open the mailbox, which was stupid because it couldn't fit in my mailbox. But I'd look in there and be like, no CDs, darn it. Next day I'd open it up, no CDs. Next day I'd open it up, no CDs. And by, by the time I about forgot about it, they showed up, and I was like, oh, yeah, right? You open it up, and there's, there's some albums in there that you should never listen to. You know, um, <laughs> literally, like Biggie Smalls, Tupac, Snoop Dogg, bunch of stuff. You should never, ever listen to that stuff. And then I became a Christian, and it was like Sonic Flood, Michael W. Smith, which I don't know why I bought that album. It was awful. Um, <laughs> you know, and then so on and so forth. And, and, and I, can, I can just remember, you know, 
just when I received that, it just brought so much joy to me. But it was like I forgot all about it. And guys, listen, I know that some of you in here today, you've been praying for something. And you've almost forgotten about it. You've been praying for a person. You've been praying for a need in your life. And you've almost forgotten about it. I want you to know, God has not forgotten. He's working in the spiritual realm right now to answer your prayer. And maybe today, he's going to deliver that box. So I'm going to ask you right now, if you would, please close your eyes and bow your heads. And I'm going to ask you two, two, two groups of people. First of all, if you're here today and you want to receive Jesus for the very first time today, I want to pray for you. Very specifically, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God will meet you where you are. And all you have to do, Jesus said this, is believe that God exists, that Jesus exists, that he lived and died and was raised back to life again for you. And you can receive his life. You will become a new creation in him. And maybe that's the step you know you need to take today. You're even trembling a little bit in your heart because you know God right now is speaking your name and saying, you need to trust me right now. You need to stop screwing around with your life and put your faith in me. If that's in you in here today, I'm going to pray for you in just a minute. I want you to, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a minute. I want to pray for you very specifically. But you need to, in your heart, between you and your Heavenly Father right now, just say, Jesus, I love you, I need you, and I want you to be the leader and Lord of my life. And so if that's you today, I want you to just raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand. If you'd like to receive Jesus in this place today, raise your hand right now. Amen. Thank you. I'm going to pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you for those who raised their hands today. God, I pray that you would meet them right where they are. And that for this moment, their lives are changed now and forever because you have touched them. You have brought their spirit alive. And so, Father, as they trust you, as they put their faith in you, and as they begin to take next steps of obedience to you, Father, we pray that you will guide them and lead them as they move into this brand new life in you. We're leaving the old life behind. We're stepping into a new life of faith and trust in you. And I thank you so much for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm going to ask you as well, keep your, keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand today if you need a touch from God. Because I want to pray for you right now. And just a second, I want you to raise your hand. And I want you to say, you know what, God, I need a touch from you. I need an answer to prayer. I, I need this. And I'm just going to partner with you in prayer. I'm not going to guarantee you that that answer is going to be in your car when you go out. That's, that's not how God works. Sometimes it is, but not very often. But I want to pray for you that God will supernaturally be fighting for you and that he will answer that prayer. So if that's you today and you want to touch from God right now, just put your hand up in the air real high. I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. All over this room. Thank you. I want to pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for the people who are being bold and saying, I need a touch from my heavenly father today. Lord Jesus, my prayer is that you would touch every single hand that was raised as they step out in faith today, maybe for the first time in a long time, to trust you to answer a prayer. And God, we acknowledge that you are sovereign over our lives. We acknowledge that you have every right to tell us no. But God, we see in your word that you are good and that you love your children and that you work 
out things in our lives for our good, for the good of those who love you. And so, God, today we rely on your character, on your truth, on who you are to answer these prayers. We step out in faith today and we ask you to move in our lives. We need your deliverance. We need your answer so that we can thrive. And God, we know that there are demons and angels fighting it out right now over our lives. And God, we pray that you will do a great work in the spiritual realm as a result of this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to encourage you to live out this commitment which says this this week. I will put God first by praying in faith for his supernatural presence to change my life and the lives of those around me. That's what God did for Daniel. That's what he wants to do for us. What we just did, you can do that every day. Just before the Lord, just say, God, I need an answer today. I'm stepping out in faith because I believe you're going to work supernaturally to change my life.